You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Just to go. The Vader. 17 to 14. Cowboys out in front. Star begins to count. Take the The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea, with a rollicking song he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten, he wears a hooded sash, with a silver hat about his head, and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pledging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Boy, you can't help but get chills when you hear that, man. Um, I'm, I'm a sucker for the old school NFL film stuff. And, uh, you know, this time of year is absolutely awesome for me. You know, we're coming to the end of August and uh, a little breezy today outside. Summer's just hanging on by by a thin thread, and you can really feel autumn. You can feel fall right around the corner. The leaves are starting to turn just a touch here, um, just a touch, not because they've been nipped by the frost, obviously, but because you get to kind of that dry point of the season and things just start to turn and shadows are getting longer all of that stuff that just, man, you can walk outside and you just feel football is right around the corner. I mean, right around the corner and I'm absolutely fired up for it. Um, so yeah, as you got, as you guys can probably tell, I'm, I'm all in the fields today for football season, but, uh, my name is Clayton. Welcome into Packers total access. You can check us out on packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can do so by sending a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And uh, that voice you heard, obviously, John Facenda, the great NFL films voice from way back in the day. Um, just a, an amazing man and, and kind of laid the foundation for everything that is NFL films. Uh, awesome job by Steve and Ed Sable, mainly Ed Sable, that because uh, at the time Steve was just a pup working for his, his dad there. But, uh, you know, being able to find someone like a John Facenda and, um, and kind of put him in place to become the voice of NFL films there in the, in the early going. And we won't go through the entire history of that. Obviously um, had a little bit of a falling out. I don't want to ruin any image you have of a John Facenda or NFL films, vice versa, but just uh, that's the stuff that I grew up on. Um, obviously that was filmed in 1974 for the Oakland Raiders, but the, the title was autumn wind. And uh, that's every time I hear autumn wind, you know, I think of, uh, I think of football season. I think of, I think of the leaves, some still hanging on and some already on the ground on the bright green grass and uh, just getting out and playing backyard football. We had a, a lot down the street from my mom and dad's house. I grew up in a little uh, one bedroom, tiny little house, had had three sisters and a brother. Of course, uh, one sister and one brother were old enough. They were out of the house for the most part, but uh, shared a bedroom with two sisters. And uh, just right down the street, we had what we called the recreational park. Sounds silly, but I don't know. It's funny. We, you know, we also had the uh, the main highway back home. We called the new road because obviously it came after the old road, and uh, it was the most traveled road there back home. So it's just funny the terminology we used growing up. But anyway, it was an old, rundown baseball field, and of course, when we got to the end of summer, we converted it into a football field, and um, gravel in one end zone, that type of thing, and uh, we just absolutely loved playing backyard ball. But I remember, like I said, 
this that video, that audio was cut in 1974, John Facenda Autumn Wind, well before my time. But growing up in the 90s, um, you know, NFL films was a staple on ESPN and ESPN2. And if you stayed up really late on a school night and you got away with it in my house, <laughs> you uh, you could you could catch those NFL films at like two or three in the morning on ESPN2. I remember falling asleep in class the next day because, you know, stayed up watching that stuff. And uh, it just brings back so much nostalgia, so many memories of playing backyard ball and doing stupid stuff and just absolutely loving the game of football. It was definitely a passion from a, a very, very early age. But, uh, yeah, so um, – just wanted to kind of play that because, guys, it's football season, right? we got the 53-man cutdown coming next week. We're going to have a week where there's not going to be anything really going on. There's college football on today. Hopefully you guys are grilling, having a good time, and uh, eating good food and watching a little bit of college ball. No huge games on, but sitting here watching Nebraska and Northwestern in the background as we cut this podcast. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, what we're going to do is dive into the 53-man roster with a little bit different approach. As you guys know, if you're on Twitter today, it's completely flooded with the quote-unquote experts releasing their uh, 53-man rosters. And what I've noticed with these these guys and gals doing this is they try to make their sound more outrageous than the next to get clicks and to, and to try – not really to try to convince someone this is what the Packers are going to do, but they know it's good fodder. They know it's going to cause an argument. You know, we've got a – uh, a national Packers podcaster that become, has become one of the most hated podcasters in the entire country because he likes to talk down to fans and act like a freaking moron. And and what we notice is he's constantly making comments that trigger these responses because that's the media today, right? They want they want to say something so outlandish, so uh, something that's just so over the top that it's going to get, you know, uh, responses on Twitter, therefore more eyeballs seeing it. They want it to go viral, all that stuff. Excuse me, i got to take this sweatshirt off, man. I'm burning up here. Kept talking about football. It got hot up in here. But uh, so that's their approach, and you see that with the 53-man roster. What I want to do on this pod today is uh, I want to kind of talk about it, not from a global standpoint, not like, okay, let's look at the overall depth chart, and here, here's your starters, here's this, here's that. I tried to really narrow it down to where I feel like there were roster spots to be won and lost, okay? And I'm only going to mention the players that are kind of on the bubble that were fighting for those spots. And what we've done is a, a detailed breakdown with PFF grades attached as long as well as special teams uh, grades attached too because we know the bottom of that roster is typically rounded out with special teams players. You know, you, you want your backups to be those special teams aces so you don't have to have starters playing special teams, although Matt LaFleur has said here in the recent past that, hey – um, we're going to start putting starters out there too because we really want to improve the special teams. Now, let's talk about special teams for just a second. Then we're going to get into the grades and all these bubble positions. Special teams has improved. I know people don't believe that. You read Twitter and it's like, oh, my God, hey, special teams is still a problem. Certain facets are. I completely reg- agree in that regard. But when you look at the field goal game, right, the kicking game, field goals have been improved tremendously and extra points. Guys, we've got a backup kicker, and we talked about this on the live stream. We talked about it on the post-game show. Um, the fact that a backup kicker is having this success and there's been no botched snaps, there's been no bad snaps, no botched holds, none of that, is really a testament to Pat O'Donnell. To me, it seems as if the operation aspect of our kicking game has been fixed, both on field goal, extra point, and punts. Now, I didn't expect uh, Pat O'Donnell to have the leg he does. I thought he punted really, really well. And that's something we're going to need, especially in cold weather and in bad weather at Lambeau. It's not about booming the ball the way Bojo did, although you heard me last year. I was really excited. When I came on the scene with the team, I was a Bojo fan because I love seeing him bomb those huge kicks, right? And when you think cold weather, it's like kicking a center block. That football gets really cold, hard to get you know distance and all that. But what I learned last year as a Packer fan, as a football fan in general, is um, you know net yardage and, and directional punting being strategic with it and be able to control where the ball goes is way more important than having a big leg. And to me, Pat O'Donnell seems to have that. But more importantly, he's he's a, a leader on the special teams, and it seems as if he might be one of, if not the best holder in the entire National Football League. Now, it's been preseason. Let's see what happens when week one kicks off, right? But um, the punting game seems to be fixed. The pump protection seems to have been fixed. Coco's done an excellent job snapping the ball, right? 
on long snaps. I think he's way better than Wordle. And uh, Jacob called that early in camp. I was kind of leaning toward Wordle. Like, man, I don't know, dude. Who's this Coco guy? He has no, you know, little to no experience at the NFL level, to the best of my knowledge. Um, why are we going to trust him over Wordle? And it seems as if Coco has been darn near perfect, to the best of my knowledge. So, um, like I said, field goals, holding, operation, all that stuff, been perfectly in check. Protection, been great. Same thing with punts. Now, kickoff team, obviously, been rough. Kickoff team, kickoff return. You know, somebody said it best on Twitter. They said, well, what what don't you like about special teams? You know, they were asking someone else, and the person responded and said, basically, kick, you know, kickoff coverage and kickoff return. We can't get anybody down. We can't, we don't have any kind of gap integrity when it comes to kickoff coverage, right? And covering the return. And so it, essentially you're getting big returns from the opposing return team. And then we're uh, we're also not returning the ball well as far as you know, kick return protection and punt return protection. So at the same time, guys. We've basically got two of the four special teams uh, facets buttoned up. That's exciting to me. That's a step forward. Now let's hope they can get the other other stuff in check too. Guys, every team in the National Football League doesn't have great special teams. You know, the New England Patriots always had solid special teams. The Baltimore Ravens always had solid special teams. The Pittsburgh Steelers always had solid special teams. You got to give them credit, I understand. But not every team plays at that level. If we can be middle of the road, Special teams, we're going to be okay. I mean, that's a step forward. I would love to have the top special teams in the entire league, but I just don't see that as being reasonable with one off season. So I say that because there have been improvements. It's not perfect. It's not going to be perfect for a while. But the fact that we can now pretty much count on there not being huge gaffes in the field goal, extra point, and punt aspect of special teams that's a great first step in the right direction. So let's go on to these bubble players, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down the line and do it by position. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, really briefly mention how many players at that position the Packers carried last year. Um, and then also, and this is an average throughout the course of the entire year, rather than just breaking camp, because sometimes those can kind of be an enigma, right? Um, I, I wanted to look at, okay, how many did they carry for the most part of the year? And uh, it's not going to be exact, but we're going to get in the ballpark. And then the goal is to pick a player here and round that out, right? So the players that are already notched into the lineup, I'm not even going to mention them. We're going to get past that, okay? So let's start with halfback. Last year, the Packers carried three on the roster, okay? So here are the three that are on the bubble. Obviously, you got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I said I wasn't going to mention them here. I'm already doing it. I'm going to try my best not to mention the starters. So for the third halfback position, you've got three players in the running or two players in the running, in my opinion. <clears throat> That's Patrick Taylor and Tyler Goodson, okay? So let's, let's look at the PFF grades. Patrick Taylor, overall offensive PFF grade was 55.8. His special teams grade was 55.1, okay? Tyler Goodson, overall PFF grade, 67.9. Special teams grade, 43.2. So a lot of people are screaming Tyler Goodson should be the pick, and they're making it sound as if it's a slam dunk. Um, if, if his job is only to run the football, and play halfback, I completely agree, right? But it makes it a little more difficult when you look at the special teams grade and the fact that Patrick Taylor scored a 55.1 on special teams and Tyler Goodson only scored a 43.2. So the same people who are going to be mad if they keep Patrick Taylor are the same ones who are mad that special teams sucks. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You've got to choose one or the other, right? Is it important or is it not? Now, for me, you've really got to take into consideration the difference in grades in that aspect. So when you look at Patrick Taylor, let's just talk from a running back standpoint, right? Playing the halfback position, 55.8 for Patrick Taylor, Tyler Goodson, 67.9. That's significantly higher. You're talking about a 12.1 point difference. Say that three times fast, right? 12.1 points higher grade Tyler Goodson has. Special teams, 55.1 for Patrick Taylor, 43.2 for Tyler Goodson. So right there, you've got what? Um, roughly a 12-point difference less in special teams. So to me, it's kind of a push, okay? If if you're counting on your third – when was the last time you watched a game and the third running back played a huge role in special teams? I'll wait. I can't think of a time that one kicked the field goal or blocked the field goal. I can't take, think of a one time, uh, you know, here from last year to the best of my knowledge, nobody comes to mind 
that's like, wow, he's a great kick returner. Typically it's a, a wide receiver, or a DB, right? So it being the halfback position and the fact that Tyler Goodson is such a better halfback, in my opinion, than Patrick Taylor, I'm choosing Tyler Goodson in this scenario. But I don't want you to think it sounds like it's an absolute slam dunk. If they take, if they keep Patrick Taylor, it's strictly because special teams and they don't see a huge difference between Tyler Goodson and Patrick Taylor at the halfback position, right? Um, now, Tyler Goodson really turned it on, and that says a lot too for me. The fact that he was against the starting Kansas City defense for the most part and came out and had a good game last time. He's his back's against the wall, right? Last week, he's looking to make the roster. And he came out and performed. That says a lot to me, too. So it's close, but I'm taking Tyler Goodson as that third halfback. Let's move on to tight end. Tight end, the Packers carried four last year. So we, we can only keep one off of this list, okay? So here are the choices. The fan favorite, Tyler Davis, right? You got Alizé Mack and Sal Canella. So let's look at the grades. Tyler Davis on offense scored a 30.1. Guys, that's freaking horrible. Horrible. I completely understand why everyone right now is saying, cut him, cut him, cut him. I get it. He has played. I mean, it's been bad on offense. His special teams grade is a 51.9. Okay, let's move on to Alizé Mack. 51.0 offensive grade, 44.7 special teams grade. So you can see right there, he's a better tight end but not as good as special teams. This is according to PFF. I'm not saying it's gospel. This is what I like to go off of. This seems to, for me, this seems to match the tape pretty well. When I watch a game and I go look at the PFF grades for the most part, I'm like, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I've seen. Every now and again, I'll disagree with one. That's why I say it's not gospel in my opinion. But to pretend like I know more than all of the eyes that they've got on this game footage, watching every single snap and studying every individual player, individual position, I put a lot of weight in that. I really do. The third one was Sal Canella, 64.8 offensive grade, but his special teams grade, guys, is a 29.9. Everybody watched him play Thursday night against the Chiefs, and they said, why, why would they not keep him? Why do the coaching staff like Tyler Davis so much? I'll tell you why they like him. It's because his special teams grade is significantly higher than both Alizé Mack and Sal Canella. So, again, what are we putting weight in? Are we going to? You know, cry and moan. I about said a bad word. Are we going to cry and moan all season long because the special team sucks? But then when it comes down to cutting this roster down, you're going to cut the, the tight end that had the highest special teams grade? It becomes tough. It's a tough decision. So when I look at it, um, it's funny. If if I was just going to choose for myself, I would take Alizé Mack based off the PFF grades. A 51.0 offensive grade and a 44.7 special teams grade. That 44.7 special teams grade is significantly higher than, than Sal Canella, who is horrible at a 29.9, and it's slightly lower than Tyler Davis at a 51.9. Now, you're getting into the tight end position. Okay, what, what do tight ends do on special teams? Play a little bit more of a role than the third-string halfback, in my opinion. You know, that's why Coach Mike McCarthy always liked to have a lot of tight ends on the roster, tight ends and linebackers, because they fit that bill to be able to help on special teams. Not saying he coached it well, not saying it turned out well, but I understand the mentality there, right? So it's a tough decision, but I'm going to remove Matt, LaFle Matt LaFleur's opinion, okay? For, forget anything he's ever said about the tight end position. With that being said, me looking at the grades, I'm going with Alizé Mack. If they only carry four and I have to pick one of these three, I'm going Alizé Mack. If I can pick a second, I'm going Sal Canella. And the reason being is because Alizé Mack can help on a special teams a little bit better and fit that big tight end row, and Sal Canella can play that NASCAR tight end, that Rob Tunyon's type, because he had the higher offensive grade. But I'm having to pick one. I'm going Alizé Mack because there's – there's less of a chance of him making a mistake in either uh, facet of the game, seeing that he's probably going to have to play both special teams and tight end in this offense. I would trust Alizé Mack over the other two. Now, if you let's let's insert Matt Lafleur's opinion. Matt Lafleur says they really like Tyler Davis, right? I know everybody's going boo. I'm kind of with you, but at the same time, for me to sit here and pretend like I understand football better than Coach Matt Lafleur is just silly. So when you put that weight of it in. I can see Tyler Davis making the roster. Just looking at it from a PFF standpoint and then what the head coach says about Tyler Davis, I can understand it. But my pick would be Alizé Mack. Okay, let's move along here. Wide receivers. Last year they carried six. So of this group, we can only keep one. Okay, I've got it narrowed down. 
Jawan Winfrey or Samori Torre? Who's making the roster? Right now, if Jacob is listening to this podcast, he's pounding the table going, my birthday's coming up and I want Jawan Winfrey on the roster. <laughs> right? So let's look at the grades. <clears throat> Jawan Winfrey, a 60.0 offensive grade. Pretty solid. Pretty solid for a backup. Not bad. Special teams grade, 51.0. All right. Samori Torre, 65.4 offensive grade. Special teams grade, 52.4. According to PFF, Samori Torre has outperformed Jawan Winfrey in both special teams and when he's on the field as an offensive player, whether it's, you know, uh, playing the wide receiver position, you know, running routes, catching passes, or in the blocking game as well. This is an overall grade, which I think is very, very important, especially in a wide zone West Coast scheme, okay, which is essentially what we run. So with that being said, if I only have to keep one of those, I'm going Samori Torre, period. Now, I love what Jawan Winfrey brings to the table. I think he's got strong hands. I think he runs decent routes. I think he's a solid player who, who proves that he can stay healthy for the most part. If there was a position that I'd say, hey, look, let's carry one extra player in, it would be wide receiver, and I would carry Jawan Winfrey. So I would say carry seven and keep them both. But in this scenario, going based off the blueprint that was laid in place last year by the Packers and how many wide receivers they typically carry, which is six, my pick would definitely be Samori Torre. Okay, so I would have the seventh rounder making the roster. You've got him on a four-year contract. He's going to mature into a backup role. He can play X. He can play Z. He could probably play a little slot as well. He's a he's a receiver that's scrappy, and he kind of reminds me of a Donald Driver type. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be as good a driver. You know, I, obviously, it's way too early. But nobody thought Donald Driver as a seventh-round pick out of Alcorn State was going to do what he did. I mean, talking about the all-time leading receiver in Packers history. Like, I, I personally think there's a – there's a uh, – a case to be made there as a Hall of Famer, given the other people that are in. I don't know if that's a, the proper way of looking at it, but it is what it is, right? Um, so I'm going Samori Torre over Jawan Winfrey, but I can understand if they keep seven because Jawan is a solid player. All right, let's move along now to outside linebacker. And this is where it gets kind of fun. Um, so last year they carried four and a half, okay? So we're going to set it at five. So we've got to keep one out of these three players. Only one we can keep. And as soon as I say the names, you're immediately going to pick one, I guarantee it, because it, you've heard his name a lot, and we've seen good things out of him at times. He seems to make flash plays, right? So let's start with you can only keep one. These are edge defenders slash outside linebackers. Kingsley and Igbar. Then you've got Ladarius Hamilton, and you've got Kobe Jones. Let's start with Kingsley. Kingsley had a 49.4 defensive grade this preseason. And keep in mind, guys, these, these grades are based strictly off the, the three-game saturation of preseason games that we have. Okay, I should have explained it on the front side. If I didn't, I apologize. Hopefully I did. But Kingsley, 49.4 defensive grade, special teams grade, 39.7. Guys, he's played horrible this preseason, which is amazing because at times we would watch the game and look up and, and see him on one or two plays and like, oh, my God, he's in the backfield every time here. But what you've got to look at from the grading standpoint is what was his responsibility? Maybe he didn't keep a gap integrity to a certain extent. Maybe he, you know, you've seen the duck and dodge uh, uh, pass, uh, you know, pass rush. I don't know if you guys seen it. The guy went high and he just kind of dipped down, went to one knee, popped back up the other side and got through. Now, some people are listening, go, hey, whatever you got to do to get in the backfield, that's all that matters. I guarantee you the coaches didn't look at that tape and go, nice move, Kingsley. Great job, JJ. Looks good. That's what we want to see. Guarantee you they didn't. So that's not a good graded play, right? So 49.4 defensive grade, special teams grade 39.7. Up next, Ladarius Hamilton. Defensive grade 66.4, special teams grade 66.0. Hamilton's played great, guys, this preseason, right? But here's the caveat. He's got a Q next to his name on my list here because he's listed as uh, currently listed as questionable. So he's dealing with a little bit of an injury. I'm not going to waste this pod to go into details of every little nick and cranny. You know, uh, people are guys guys that are that are that are uh, dinged up right now. I'm not going to waste time doing that. I just want to make that mental note there that he is he is uh, dealing with a little bit of an injury. Might not be serious. Not going to dive in all the details, but that's something that's there. But again, 66.4 and a 66.0 flat. Solid grades this preseason. 
The other one is Kobe Jones. This is our boy, uh, Sam Holman's guy. I wanted to get Sam on here, but he was a little tied up and it was kind of short notice. That it was my fault not, not being prepared. I was wanting to get him on here because he's been watching a lot of defensive tape of the last uh, last several games here in the preseason, all, all three games really, and just see who kind of stood out to him. But he couldn't make it on. We'll have him on soon enough for sure. But uh, this is his guy. He's really, really high on Kobe Jones. And this is what I'm talking about, PFF. And it's funny, another reason I wanted Sam on here with me is because he doesn't – I don't want to put words into his mouth, but it seems as if he doesn't put as much weight into PFF as I do or maybe Ryan does, right? But it's it's funny that his the guy that he liked the most uh, graded out pretty well. I mean, Kobe Jones had, from a defensive standpoint, 61.7 is his PFF grade. Special teams grade, 62.8. That is solid, guys. That is really, really solid. So – when I look at from the grading standpoint, excuse me, and I also look at, um, <clears throat> you know, just from watching every snap, multiple snaps of every game, um, it's tough because I love Kingsley's size. I love his range. He seems to be the type of player that we're looking for, right? But and obviously you don't want to waste a draft pick and, and risk someone else picking him up. If we're if we're carrying four and a half, and then we're going to call it five because they carried four and a half last year, and we have to choose with just one amongst all these players, my pick would be Ladarius Hamilton. However, him dealing with that little bit of an injury makes me a little bit shaky. I probably go with Kobe Jones over Enigbar. So we're seeing now why Enigbar dropped in the draft. You know he was the best on my board when the Packers picked him. And I was I was jacked out of my mind. If you watched a live draft show with us, um, I was fired up that they got him. And I still think it's a good pick, but it's okay. Are you going to keep him over other guys who are playing better? And more importantly, on special teams. Again, we're three, posi three positions into this show, and it's coming back to special teams. And it seems like the fan favorites are the lowest-graded special teams players. And if we're going to be the ones – you know, complaining, crying and moaning when special teams sucks because they kept this player that looked flashy in the game and they didn't have a solid special teams grade, it's going to it's going to show up real quick, right? So it's tough. I would pick Ladarius Hamilton, but given the injury right now, depending on how serious it is, if there's any question mark whatsoever, unless the doctors and Coach Matt LaFleur are meeting up and they're going, nope, nothing to worry about. He's 100% ready to go. This is not going to linger. I would say Ladarius Hamilton. But if there's any chance that whatever injury he's dealing with lingers, I'm going Kobe Jones over Enigbar. Now, do you carry an extra one? Do you carry six edge defenders? If that's the case, then you put Kingsley on there, right, if Ladarius isn't healthy. But that's kind of how that shakes out there. So my top pick would be Ladarius Hamilton if indeed he's healthy. All right, so let's do this. Let's uh, This would be a good point. Let's take us a quick commercial break, pay a few bills when we come back. We're going to pick right back up with the cornerback position. And I'm saving the best for last. I'm saving offensive line for last because I'm really excited about talking about that. Man, there's there's been some solid offensive line play this preseason. But let's take us a quick commercial break. We will be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so let's talk about the DBs here. Um, let's let's go with the cornerback position. Last year, the Packers carried 5.9, so we're just going to call it six. I feel like four are locked in solid. You've got Jair Alexander. You've got um, Eric Stokes. You've got Rasul Douglas, who may play free safety, so that could get a little bit interesting of how many safeties they carry and how many corners they technically carry, seeing that Rasul might have to play free safety if indeed Darnell Savage's injury lingers. And I, I want to hit pause for a minute because Darnell Savage coming in this year, you guys know I was down on him, right? And there was a couple other people that within the Packernet podcast family that, that you could tell, listen to their podcast, they completely disagreed, and that's great. I love when there's contrast. But – the inconsistency that Darnell Savage showed last year really had me worried. Like, okay, is this a guy that we're going to extend um, on a multi-year contract? And when they picked up the fifth-year option, there was a lot of people running victory laps going, yeah, I told you so, told you so. But I don't really look at the fifth-year option as a long-term commitment. To me, it's kind of a bridge. It's a, hey, the jury's still out. If they really like Darnell Savage, they would lock him into a long contract. And who knows, maybe that's coming. Maybe that's coming up here in the next month or two, right? They'll announce that, hey, they reached a long-term deal. I'm not exactly sure if they can lift that fifth-year option with an extension. I imagine they would. I can't I can't imagine the owners would be against that or and or the players' union would be against that. It kind of benefits both sides. You know, you don't want to handcuff management from the ownership standpoint. And then on the union side, you don't want they definitely aren't looking at it like, no, we don't want we don't want players to have an opportunity to get a contract extension after they've signed that fifth year option. Now, the fa- franchise tag is a whole different ball game, But when it comes to the fifth year option, I don't look at that as a long term commitment. So those victory laps that people are running right now, you know, or when they sign that fifth year extension, I was going, I don't think that means they're committed to them. It means we need one more year to evaluate. Right. That's the way I see it. So. With that being said, at the cornerback position, Rasul Douglas um, could play a little free safety. This could shake up. But let's just assume that the corners right now are Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Rasul Douglas, and I've got uh, Shamar Jean Charles as a lock for the number four corner. I think he's played really well. So who is going to be the fifth and sixth? So of this list, we can only keep two corners, okay? you got Rico Gafford, Keyshawn Nixon, Keandre Thomas and KB Anento. And this is what I love about PFF grades because when I seen Keandre Thomas, I immediately wanted to cross him off the list because I felt like he didn't have a good preseason. I seen him get burned one or two plays and, and was so ticked off about it. But what you got to understand is those are two snaps of the entire preseason. I have no idea what he did the, every other snap because I haven't watched every snap just keyed in on Keandre Thomas, you know, and all the snaps he's played. So this is what I love about PFF, right? And the other one is KB and Into. Okay, so let's go down the line here. Rico Gafford, you would think from from training camp, right, and the practice updates, it sounded to me like he had a pretty good camp. They were utilizing him on special teams a lot. I didn't hear that he was doing great things on special teams, but he's got that blazing speed that you would think would make for a good uh, a good first step off the edge in blocking kicks, as well as a good kick returner. However, you know, he's kind of flopped in the kick return game these, you know, early on. To me, it seemed like they they wanted to go in a different direction. But Rico Gafford's PFF grade on defense, 46.5 in a three preseason game saturation, 46.5. That really surprised me because I haven't focused on him much. And I just assumed he's probably performing in the 60s. He was kind of the darling, right? Wrong. Keyshawn Nixon. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Rico Gafford's special teams grade, 56.5. So 46.5 and 56.5 are his two grades. Keyshawn Nixon, defensive grade, 55.9. Special teams grade, 60.8. So he pretty much outperformed Rico Gafford across the board. Keyshawn Nixon did. Up next, Keandre Thomas, the guy that I felt like, ah, no, he had kind of a bad, kind of a rough go of it in preseason, right? 
Defensive grade, 68.7. Special teams grade, 67.1. The best so far, right? Up next, KB and Into, 64.5 defensive grade, 68.8 special teams grade. So it's amazing going coming just out of the camp updates and how well people practice before we, we put the pads on and really went out there against other teams and, and went to perform with the lights on. Um, the two guys I thought would be a sure lock have the lowest grades. So for me, if I have to keep two of these four and just putting the weight in PFF, you would go with Keandre Thomas at a 68.7 and a special teams grade of 67.1. He would be your dime back. He would be your fifth corner on the roster. And then at number six, <clears throat> you would have KB and Ento, 64.5, with a special teams grade of 68.8. Primarily, him being your sixth corner, he would be your special teams ace, in my opinion, on gunning and things like that. So those are the two that I would pick from the cornerback position. Let's move on to, to safety now. Um, last year, we carried 4.3 safeties. So in this scenario, we're only keeping two, okay? This is assuming that Darnell Savage is healthy, right? And you've got um, you've got Darnell Savage at free safety, Adrian Amos at strong safety. Who are the other two safeties we're going to carry to round out that 4.3 average? They may carry five, right? But we're just going to figure it at four here. Um, start with Enos Gaines. Enos Gaines, to the best of my knowledge, unless PFF has not been updated, didn't have a single snap on defense the entire preseason. That sounded odd to me, but I'm going to base this information off of that. Now, he had a special teams grade of 70.7, but it's showing he only had special team snaps in one game, right? So, with that being said, he's also dealing with an injury. I've got a cue next to his name. ESPN had him listed as questionable. So, he's dealing with an injury. There's no defensive grade to go off of. So, assuming he didn't have any or very, very, very minimal defensive snaps, but his special teams grade is really good, you know, just put that into perspective. Up next, you've got Dolan Levitt. Dolan Levitt, defensive grade 57.6, special teams grade 47.8. Special teams grade horrendous. That's, that's really, really bad, really bad, right? Up next, you got Sean Davis, defensive grade 63.6. Pretty decent, right? Special teams grade 33.8. Horrible. Worst of the safety special teams grade. No way I'm keeping Sean Davis. I mean, if you do, it's strictly to play safety. Now you're really limiting yourself. Again, back to the crowd. If you're choosing people like Tyler Goodson over Patrick Taylor, you're saying you really don't care about special teams. We don't have the right to complain about it when everybody falls on their face in special teams, right? So, um, Sean Davis, yeah, bad, bad look. Here's my darling. He won my dog of the week a couple weeks ago, right, on the uh, Packer Total <coughs> Packers Total Access postgame show. Getting emotional about it. Now let me give me a drink. <clears throat> That's the only bad thing about recording these live and going straight through. I love the uh, the fluidity. I love the the whole organic, I guess you could say, um, of uh, of going through and not cutting and editing. I don't want it to come across as fake and, and 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 feel like okay, this is a production. It's just more me giving my true thoughts in real time, continuously. But man, when you get choked up, it makes for awkward moments. <clears throat> but anyway, um, Micah Abernathy was my darling of the preseason. And you're about to understand why. And this is what I'm talking about with PFF. To me, he stood out more than anybody watching the game. The guy was flying to the ball. He was making play after play. He, you seen him bust up a bubble screen. You seen him uh, pick a pass off, make a great break on the ball. He just looked like he was, he knew where the ball was going. He, he felt comfortable in the defense and he broke on the ball really, really well. Right? Well, what's the PFF grade say? It says exactly that his defensive grade 79.1 guys. 79.1 this preseason. It's hard to look at that and say, ah, it's just a fluke. I mean, that's pretty solid. Even if you get into the regular season, you're playing better talent, probably going to you know, grade out in the 60s for the most part. You're not going to have a huge drop-off there. So uh, Micah Abernathy, great, great player there. Special teams, 53.5. Not horrible, but, you know, especially when you take into consideration the defensive grade, but still a bad a bad, de uh, bad special teams grade. Now, Tariq Carpenter, you guys heard me say on the postgame show the other night, we've seen him get burned. This kind of goes back to Keandre Thomas, right? Um, we've seen Tariq get burned, and I'm like, oh, my God, he's played horrible. He just looks lost. He looks like he doesn't fit. He he doesn't fit the linebacker row. He doesn't fit the safety row. I, have, <clears throat> I haven't specifically watched every single snap. Again, that's one play where he blew a coverage, 
And what I love about PFF is that one play doesn't carry more weight than the, you know, let's say if he had, I'm not saying he had 50 snaps, let's say he had 30 more snaps. The 29 snaps carries more weight than that one, right? That one mistake. And I think that's more valuable in my opinion than someone, you know, having one bad play, but Tariq Carpenter, Rookie, you know, hybrid safety, hybrid linebacker, however you want to classify him. Defensive grade, 63.4. But you guys remember during the draft party when they drafted him, we said this guy is going to be a special teams top player. He's got the straight inline speed. He doesn't, he, he has stiff hips, but you put him gunning on kickoff team, this guy's going to get down the field. He's going to get there quick and he's a thumper. He loves to hit. He's a big body safety, you know, slash linebacker. Tariq Carpenter's special teams grade, 70.1. I mean, that really pops off the list to me. And the fact that you've got Enos Gaines and Dolan Levitt with Qs next to their name, meaning they're questionable, they're dealing with some kind of minor injury. My two picks, not that I would pick those two anyway, based off of, you know, Enos having uh, minimal snaps and then Dolan having a poor score, okay? I would not anyway. I'm just saying they, they are dealing with injuries. Sean Davis really fell flat on his face on special teams. Looked okay on defense, 63.6, but a 33.8, horrible. So I would not keep him. My two picks for backup safety would be Micah Abernathy and Tariq Carpenter. Those would be the other two safeties I would carry. I mean, you put Tariq Carpenter on special teams and then Micah Abernathy becomes your backup safety. Who knows? Maybe he gets on the field in certain sub packages. That's exciting stuff. And what's cool is when you sign him, everybody's going, who's Abernathy? And then you see him on the field, and you're like, wow, he really flashes on tape, right, over and over the last couple games. Okay, do you guys remember Rasul Douglas last year? Out of nowhere, just a free agent signing just off the freaking streets. This could be this year's Rasul Douglas. Here's another. You may be going, oh, that's one, one position, one player, whatever. Okay, how about Devondre Campbell? Nobody in the league wanted Devondre Campbell. He just finished number 48 on the top 100. Graded out as the second. That's another thing, too, guys. Oh, man. I hate to turn this into a PFF just love fest. But everybody who bashes PFF, you notice they never mention how other things line up. Like the top 100, I put a lot of weight in the top 100 list because those are the peers saying, here's the guys that I think are the best. And they're on camera saying it. And it's on paper. Their name's attached to it. They're – they're uh, not ego, but their reputation's on the line of did they just pick their own teammates? Just, just they, did they just pick their best friend? All that stuff, right? These are these are chose by the players, not fan voting, which we know we all rally up at Pro Bowl time and whether it's baseball. And I don't even know how football does it anymore. To be honest, we haven't kept up with it because the Pro Bowl is an absolute joke. I'm talking about players with mutual respect for other players in the league and how they play the game. Um, the fact that they chose him as a top 50 player and he got signed off the streets, that makes me really excited about Micah Abernathy. So at the safety position, it was a big surprise. When I went to make this list, and if before I made the list, if you told me it would be Micah Abernathy and Tariq Carpenter as the two backup safeties, I would say you're crazy. No way. Here they are. Tariq Carpenter, 63.4 defensive grade, special teams grade of 70.1, one of the best special teams grades in the entire roster this preseason. And then Micah Abernathy, a 79.1 play in the safety position. 53.5 at special teams. I think that would be my two backup safeties. That's one of the easier decisions, too. One of the easier decisions for me. Sean Davis on special teams, though, man, that's just horrible. That's a liability right there. And you've got at some point or another, you've got to start plugging these bottom roster guys in on special teams. And if we just choose the guys that look flashy to us in one or two plays and go against the guys that made one or two mistakes, you're really missing out on the consistency that's important on the special teams aspect of uh, – of football, you know, as uh, Rich Passaccia said, it's not offense, it's not defense, it's we fence. I love, I love the culture he's creating, and again, I think he's doing a great job because he's already fixed two, two important aspects of special teams. So let's now let's really key in on the kick game, the kicking game. You know, the kick, kick return and kickoff unit. Same thing with punt coverage, that type of thing. But the protection is where it really has to begin, in my opinion. You've got to be able to kick field goals and extra points, and you've got to be able to get punts off from your own end zone when it's a freaking playoff game. That's why these, these grades really, really matter. So those are my two safeties. All right, last but surely not least, probably the topic I'm most excited about talking about today is uh, the offensive line. Um, there's been some great offensive line play, guys. 
I don't know what it is about the scouts in Green Bay, but I mean, it, it's it's truly remarkable how they can go out and find offensive linemen later in the draft or bringing them off the street and they perform well. It's kind of like you can see what they're good at recruiting, right? They're good at scouting. You can tell they know how to draft a wide receiver. I mean, look, look at it. To me, it looks like they got two pretty solid picks in uh, Romeo Dobbs. We haven't even seen Christian Watson yet, but I don't know, man. There's just something about Christian Watson, watching him carry himself, hearing Aaron Rodgers talk about him, and seeing him running drills and stuff in practice. I don't want to get my hopes up too high, but I feel like Christian Watson might be a dog that nobody's talking about. I mean, I, I am not going to be surprised if he comes out in week one or week two whenever he gets completely healthy from that that <coughs> excuse me that floating cartilage. Um, and it seems like he's healthy. They're just being very, very precautious. I'm not going to be surprised at all if he comes out and blows up. And you got Romeo Dobbs. Here's the exciting part about Romeo Dobbs. If he's going up against third and fourth corners in a you know in a four wide set. Oh, my God, he is going to torch these guys. Look at what he's done against um, top top roster talent because he's got a lot of looks in the first quarter. That's the thing that's most exciting for me. It's the thing that that steers me a little bit away from Samori Torre is he's playing a little bit later in the game or getting his touches a little later in the game where they're really at the bottom of their roster on the opposite side of the field, right, on, on, the, on the other sideline, the other coaching staff. But when it comes to – uh, you know, Romeo Dobbs, he's really been playing against that that top talent on each roster because he's playing a lot in the first half. So and it, it all depends on the team you play and their philosophy, whether they play their starters or not. But for the most part, that's the way it's looked to me. So it, it's I say that because the Packers know how to scout and draft offensive linemen. They know how to scout and draft wide receivers. They've done it outside of the first round for two decades now. But there's other positions they whiff at. They really, really whiff at a lot, right? Uh, we won't get into that. So Offensive line. Last year, the Packers carried nine offensive linemen. <clears throat> so on this list here, I've got it narrowed down. We're not going to go through the, the list of guys I think already made it. We have to choose two out of this list. I'm going to list them off here. Michael Minnett, Rashid Walker, Sean Ryan, Zach Tom, and Caleb Jones. So let's go down the line here. Let's look at the PFF grades. Michael Minnett, offensive PFF grade, 63.5, special teams grade, 60.4. Now, keep in mind, guys, you're probably thinking of special teams, offensive line, absolutely. These are the big hog mollies that's going to keep field goals from getting blocked. These are the big hog mollies that are going to keep punts from getting blocked. That this, the, These are the guys, in some cases, offensive linemen will play on the kick, the field goal block team, too. Wouldn't you guys like to block a kick this year? Wouldn't that be freaking awesome <laughs> instead of having our kicks blocked? So th this stuff's important. These special teams grade are important. Michael Minnett, 63.5 offensive grade, special teams grade 60.4. Rashid Walker, 71.5 offensive grade, but I'm showing zero special team snaps for Rashid Walker. Was that by design? I don't know. It is what it is. Zero snaps is not a good thing to me. I, I'd like to see what he does on special teams, seeing that he's going to be a backup offensive lineman if indeed he did make the roster. Up next, Sean Ryan. To me, Sean Ryan has been the biggest disappointment of the draft. Um, it's and and it's not even close, in my opinion. I would have I probably before I did this episode, I would think Tariq Carpenter was right down there with him. But after looking at the PFF grades, no. Uh, Tariq Carpenter's played pretty solid. Um, Sean Ryan, though. 56.8, guys, he's a third-round pick. And, again, it doesn't mean he's horrible, but 50 – the fact that offensive linemen come into Green Bay and they perform well pretty much right out of the gate, right? Um, he, I don't know, man. There's just – maybe it's that the other guys are performing so much better. I mean, because to put it into perspective, Josh Myers, um, I think he finished the entire season last year <clears throat> with a PFF grade in the 50s. So – you know, comparing it to that, maybe they like him, right? I mean, who knows? But uh, Sean Ryan, 56.8, and then a uh, special teams grade, 60.7, okay, 60.7. Up next, we've got uh, Caleb Jones, offensive grade, 85.0. Guys, that's elite. They're saying that he has played offensive tackle at an elite level for the Green Bay Packers. I don't know how many snaps he's got in guard. I don't want to open the system back up and make the auto uh, the audio glitchy here, but I don't know how many he's played at guard, if any. But his offensive grade, 85.0. Special teams grade, 60.3. To me, special teams, 
I don't want I'm not willing to accept anything less than in the 60s. If you get in the 50s, you're a liability. 60s is bad enough, but 60.3, but again, that offensive grade, 85.0. That's that's amazing, guys. And he is a huge human being. Up next, one of my favorite players of the entire preseason in camp, Zach Tom. Offensive grade, 77.5. Special teams grade, 60.9. So, again, the list is Michael Minnett, Rasheed Walker, Sean Ryan, Caleb Jones, Zach Tom. To me, it's it's a no-brainer. It's really, really simple. Zach Tom and Caleb Jones should be the two kept off that list to round out that non-offensive line roster. Now, if they carry 10, maybe you make the exception for Sean Ryan. He's a third-round pick. You don't, you know, you, you don't want to uh, – Really, the only thing you're losing with the new CBA and how the the rookies' contracts are structured, you're not losing a lot of money from that in that regard, um, especially compared to the past. But really, what you're admitting is we missed on that draft pick. But you know, I really, really respect the coaching staffs and front offices that are willing to accept the fact that hey, we just missed on them. Let's cut ties now and replace them with someone that might be better. You know, if we didn't have Caleb Jones on the roster and nobody had discovered him yet. Right. And he's just sitting out there in free agency. And Sean Ryan's grade was a 56.8. And you told me, hey, this Caleb Jones guy, we know he's going to perform graded in, in the 80s on offensive line. Would you rather have him over Sean Ryan? Absolutely. But the problem is front offices and coaching staff sometimes don't want to admit when they make mistakes. Who does? Right. We're, we're all quick to point out other people's mistakes and, and not as quick to point out, you know, when we screw up. Right. That's just that's something that that's born and bred into us. As human beings, you know, we come out of the womb flawed like that. I, I really believe that. It's just, you know, it's a selfish nature. But at the same time, um, you got to you got to be willing to admit when you're wrong and correct the mistake as quick as possible. Because the, the fact of the matter is this. If we carry Sean Ryan on this roster and he, you know, he may come out in the regular season, get a little bit of playing time. Somebody's banged up, gets injured. He comes in and performs lights out. Awesome. I'm all for that. I hope that happens. That's a best case scenario. But if he comes out and he performs crappy and we cut Caleb Jones and he picks up on somebody else's roster and all of a sudden he's grading out in the 80s consistently, it'll be Micah Hyde 2.0. We'll never hear the end of it. We'll all be thinking about it constantly, right? So we got to kind of go with the information that's laid out in front of us. And, uh, again, I put a lot of put a lot of value in PFF. It's Again, it's not the tell-all, end-all. I don't think it's anything that's that cut and dry. But I think it's a great metric to throw into the equation. And, and when you watch Caleb Jones on tape, I mean, he has bullied people all preseason long and not just with his size the guy for a big guy like that man his footwork is pretty solid really really surprised me so my two picks of those offensive linemen will be caleb jones and zach tom zach tom i think will be a starter very very soon the only problem is jake hansen's playing outside of his skull right now this dude is i mean he is lights out not only does he have great footwork he looks to me, he looks like he's bulked up. He looks like he's got more muscle. He's got better hand placement. He does everything well. He can play multiple positions. He's a backup center. He can play guard. He might, might even be able to kick out the tackle. Who knows? I know when we do our Chalk Talk segment tomorrow, we're going to do our Chalk Talk segment tomorrow on Sunday's episode with Ryan and Jacob, and then I'm going to do the companion video on my YouTube channel immediately following, and I can't wait for you guys to see Jake Hansen's footwork on this play that we're breaking down. I mean, this guy – and not only that, he just he, he seems like he's just always healthy, too, you know, at least here recently. The guy looks like he's tougher than a $2 steak. He's just – I mean, he's built like a Green Bay offensive lineman. Pleasantly surprised with him. But um, I was going to say, though, Zach Tom, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody gets banged up on that offensive line and Zach Tom comes in and plays and he proves that he can grade out like this and play at this level um, during the regular season, he's going to be a star. He's going to be another John Runyon. Someone who just comes out of nowhere and bam, okay, he's just a staple. You know, Elton Jenkins, when we drafted him, I don't I don't know many people that were excited about Elton Jenkins. Why are we taking a center? What are we doing? Like, yeah, what why would we, you know, it didn't make any sense. Next thing you know, the guy's starting at left tackle because box baked uh box banged up, not baked. He ain't smoking the he ain't smoking the tweed. He was banged up. Um, he slides in at left tackle, arguably the the second most important position on the offensive side of the ball in all of football. And uh and he just played lights out. Zach Tom has that feel to him, to me. And, you know, there's some tape from the last game of him playing left guard. Looked just as solid at left guard. I mean, I don't know, dude. It, I think Zach Tom's a baller. I think we really, really got us another one. It goes back to the comment I made about how, hey, look, um, you know, 
the Packers know how to, to scout and draft wide receivers outside of the first round, and they darn sure know how to do offensive linemen the same way. I mean, it's really, really exciting. So that being said, that's how the roster shakes out for me. I didn't want to just do a cheesy, here's my 53-man roster. Hope you enjoy it. Try to do something outlandish. I wanted to really focus on the bottom of the roster guys and their special teams grades, kind of give you an idea. And uh, hearing Ryan talk about special teams grades, and he always brings me back to center of, yeah, but Patrick Taylor's got a better special teams grade. You know, just and not saying that he completely agrees with the picks I have here. Obviously, we haven't even talked about it, but just he would always bring me back to center on that. Go, I, I, damn, I'm just like everybody else. I'm falling in that that category of just completely forgetting about special teams until the game's on the line. It costs us a huge game, and then I'm mad again, right? So I, did, I didn't want to be a hypocrite in that regard. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Just looking around the league at news, too. You guys remember, we were all screaming for Trevor Penning. We really wanted Trevor Penning. Um, and it, it, I, I wasn't as high on him as other people. Um, but the thing that I'm noticing about the draft process, and I do a draft board every year, even before I was part of the Packernet uh, podcast family here, um, I would always do my own draft board and I would follow along with the draft and see how close I could get to our, who, you know, who's, a, who's a great player who isn't, you know, did they turn out right. And I put a lot of, a lot of faith in Greg Cosell, which I'm telling you right now, man, Greg Cosell, Here's the two guys that stood out the most to me in Greg Cosell's uh, pre-draft coverage. Kenny Pickett is hands down the best quarterback in this draft, and he is a first-round talent. Everyone else was saying there wasn't a first-round talent other than you know Malik Willis and, and a couple others. But and now it's looking. I think Kenny Pickett just set a record. I think well, not a record. I think he's got the highest quarterback rating in preseason history um, since 2015. I mean, the dude is just he's on freaking fire. And that was Greg Cosell's number one quarterback. The other one, George Pickens. Now, George Pickens, this is what's funny about what Greg Cosell said. We're running out of time here. I'm going to get you guys out of here. Greg Cosell said, I, I judge strictly the tape. I don't care about the off-field stuff. I'm not here to judge character. I'm going to tell you from a football standpoint who are the best players. George Pickens, hands down, was the best wide receiver in this year's draft. And all you've heard out of camp, and there's a lot of Packer fans that are butthurt about it, and they're like, oh, why ain't they talking about Romeo Dobbs more than this? I get it. Look, I'm a, I'm a homer too. But you got to give credit where credit's due. You watch George Pickens, and he looks like a pretty solid receiver. Now, he could turn south quick when we get into the regular season. He may amp it up and be the Justin Jefferson of the draft. But I just remember Greg Cosell talking about Kenny Pickett and um, George Pickens, right? But the news I wanted to cover, Trevor Penning, we were real big on. Um. A lot of people wanted the Packers to draft them. This come out from Ian Rappaport. Saints first-round offensive tackle Trevor Penning suffered what is believed to be a bad case of turf toe, sources say. He'll have an MRI to ascertain the damage, but this takes Penning off the field for some time. Probably going to be anywhere from a two- to six-week injury, most likely. Now, Penning and Sean Ryan, I wasn't very excited about because they're, everybody kept saying maulers. They're maulers. They're road graders. They're maulers. Okay, that's great, and that sounds sexy, and that's fun to watch. You know, we're going to see it tomorrow on the play that we that we uh, outline on uh, Chalk Talk where Josh Myers absolutely <laughs> annihilates a linebacker, and I'm here for it. But when you go into the scouting process and you talk about an offensive lineman, if the number one thing they say is he's a mauler or he's a road grader, okay, you're going to take that guy over a technician? over someone who can play left tackle and has beautiful footwork and great hand placement and plays with a good solid base and knows how to play the game smart. Like if those other guys could do that and that was their strength, it would be talked about. So why are we only talking about Sean Ryan being a road grader and a mauler, right? Same thing with Trevor Penning. Why is that all we're talking about? Maybe that's because it's all they can do. Well, I got news for you guys. We don't run a power offense. There's going to be a minimal amount of time that Sean Ryan's going to be running downhill to maul somebody. I mean, you've seen it all training camp long, and this is what cracks me up. The PFF grade is showing – the PFF grade is lining up perfectly with what we've seen in training camp. Devontae Wyatt absolutely annihilated Sean Ryan in practice. And me, people immediately said, man, Devontae Wyatt, if he's doing that against our third-round pick, Sean Ryan, God, he must be a beast. Lo and behold, Devontae Wyatt comes out and isn't playing quite at that level. I'm not saying he's played bad, and Sam Holman's done an excellent job outlining him the last couple of days. But it's to me, the dust is settling. The sift is kind of falling to the bottom of the ocean here, 
and you're looking up going, uh, maybe Sean Ryan ain't that good of an offensive lineman. Okay, but he can road grade. He's a mauler. Okay, give me Zach Tom. Give me the guy who can play multiple positions with great footwork, great hand placement, understands how to play offensive line over the guy that looks cool with the belly shirt, the long hair, and knocks people on their you-know-what five yards down the field. I'm taking Zach Tom all day long and twice on Sunday. So um, hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Like I said, just a quick breakdown of the roster. I'll give you a little bit of news update there from Trevor Penning. And uh, that's kind of how I see the bottom shaking out from a PFF standpoint, right? I kind of gave you guys my pick, and I really, really leaned heavily on PFF because I wanted to bring you guys that approach. There's going to be plenty of opinions out there going, no, nope, I disagree with PFF. This guy's a better, a better player than the grade showing. Okay, there's plenty of that out there on Twitter. You can go find it all day long. I just wanted to give you a perspective from the PFF standpoint and really, really, really put a lot of weight in special teams grades, seeing that that's going to round out the bottom half of the roster. So with that being said, we're going to get you guys out of here. We uh, really, really appreciate your time. Thank you for uh, taking time out of your Saturday. I hope you have a, a great afternoon watching college football, grilling great food and spending time with your loved ones, your family. Um, hold them close and hug them tight, man. That's family. Family and football is what it's all about, man. That's what I always say. God, family and football in that order is uh is how i feel but um anyway thank you guys so much tom thank you so much for your time hanging out with us we really appreciate it um as always let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world go pack go